If you've been feeling overwhelmed with anxiety lately, try listening to a guided meditation on the Meditation for Anxiety podcast. Meditation is a proven natural way to help you calm down and dissolve stress so you can feel lighter and happier. So subscribe for free today to the Meditation for Anxiety podcast by searching for Meditation for Anxiety on your favorite podcast player. For the best way to fall asleep with Nightfalls, you can now become a premium supporter. Enjoy the entire back catalogue of Nightfalls classics, all with a rich, immersive and totally ad-free experience. If you love falling asleep to Nightfalls, Nightfalls Premium will elevate your sleep while helping to support myself and the team. We love creating Nightfalls, but without supporters, it wouldn't be possible. Join Nightfalls Premium today in just two taps on both Apple Podcasts or via the Supercast link found in the show notes for all other podcast players. Your sleep will thank you for it, and so will I. Hi, I'm Jeffrey, and welcome back to Night Falls. Join me around the campfire at the foot of these mystical falls for a podcast of bedtime stories designed to help you sleep. Each week, we'll begin with a brief meditation before settling into our story for the evening. And don't worry if you fall asleep before the end. I want you to drift off whenever you're ready. Just before we begin, I'd like to say a big thank you to you for listening in. It means a great deal. I really hope you're enjoying my tales. Not only is it a pleasure to share them with you, but I get so much out of telling them too. My breathing slows and I feel myself relaxing more and more the deeper I get into each story. It's meditative. If I tell them in the middle of the day, as I am right now, I often find myself in a relaxed bubble, drifting through the afternoon and into the evening. Join me beside the fire tonight, and I'll tell you of wintry West's search to uncover the mysteries of a lost civilization in the Grand Canyon. Tonight, Winter learns that, between the layers of the canyon's rock face, there are great chunks of history missing. Layers of rock found the world over that are unaccounted for in the canyon. Winter's search to understand what happened there all those years ago reminds me of a different kind of mystery. 
can't help but liken those missing layers of rock to our forgotten dreams. Just as we cannot know what happened to alter the geology of the Grand Canyon so greatly, we often can't recover the memories of the adventures we have been on in our dreams or track their impact on us. And on the days when those memories escape us, we find ourselves keener than ever before to sink back into our slumber and chase down those lost dreams. Before we saddle up and join Winter in his exploration of the Grand Canyon, why don't we take a moment to ourselves to relax, to focus on the things we know to be true. Though much of the past remains a mystery to us, and many of our dreams do too, there are certain indisputable truths that have always been of comfort to me. As you draw in a deep breath, know that all that matters is you at this very moment in time. Exhaling, let go of any chaos and clutter taking up space in your mind or body, feeling it drain from your body on the current of your breath. Inhaling, remind yourself that there is nothing on this earth more important than taking care of yourself. Breathing out, let go of any guilt tied to the idea of prioritizing yourself. Drawing in another deep breath, know that this planet is designed to help you thrive, to live abundantly and happily. Exhaling, let go of the notion that there is anything other than your happiness, health, rest or relaxation to be sought after in life. Now, if you're feeling ready, I'll tell you of Winter's journey to uncover the mysteries hidden in the Grand Canyon. Clad in weathered jeans and a faded denim shirt, Winter adjusted his wide-brimmed Stetson as he surveyed the flat expanse of land in front of him. It was hard to believe one of the seven wonders of the world lay just ahead. Not only that, this particular wonder held a fascinating secret. Winter carefully retrieved and unfolded an old, heavily faded news clipping from his shirt pocket. Although he knew the words by heart, he read it once more. It was a copy of an article printed in the Arizona Gazette in April 1909. It told of the discovery of a vast network of caverns hidden deep within the canyon, which held evidence of a long-forgotten people. This ancient civilization had, supposedly, 
carved their homes deep into the rock face, using an intricate system of caves and tunnels. It was claimed an explorer had been sailing along the Colorado River when he'd spotted the entrance to a cave, which was located about 2,000 feet above the water. Entranced by what could lay beyond the entrance, the man proceeded to investigate the interior and was amazed at what he discovered. After the report was published, many hopeful explorers over the years had tried to find the caves of which he had spoken, but with no success. It had remained a mystery ever since. Winter placed the article back in his pocket. He lifted his head and felt the gentle warmth of the late October sun on his face. Not a single cloud was visible in the azure blue sky. A soft breeze carried the hint of the captivating journey which awaited him, causing a slow smile to appear on Winter's rugged face. Whether he found the cave or not, it was the perfect day for an adventure. He walked towards his guide for the day, an older man named Ted Willoughby Jackson. With a firm handshake, the man greeted Winter and said, Folks call me Willoughby. You've picked a great day to explore the canyon. We had a mighty storm here a few days ago, and there's likely to be debris on the tracks deep in the valley. So be sure to keep a lookout for any obstacles. Willoughby stopped talking and gave Winter a studious look before adding, You're not just here for the view, are you? Winter admitted he wasn't, and showed the guide his newspaper article. Willoughby gave him a knowing smile, and admitted he too was fascinated by that legend, and he was ever hopeful the secret entrance to the caves would be discovered one day. Until then, he said, let's enjoy the beauty of this place. There are other mysteries which the canyon holds. I'll let you know about them on our journey. Willoughby led him towards a couple of horses which were tethered a short distance away. Winter was introduced to his, a pale brown horse called Dusty. Willoughby cast a fond smile at Dusty and said she would take Winter down the winding paths of the canyon at a slow but steady pace. In no time at all, Winter and his guide were settled on their horses and heading towards the spectacular scenery. The rhythmic clopping of hooves was the only sound Winter heard as they approached a wooden sign which confirmed they would be taking the Bright Angel Trail into the canyon. His horse trotted along the trail 
and within seconds, Winter got his first view of the majestic Grand Canyon. Willoughby pointed to the top layer of the landscape and advised Winter it was known as Kaibab Limestone. It had been created at the bottom of the ocean millions of years ago, but over time it had made its way to the very top of the canyon. Winter's horse made a series of turns along the zigzagging path and it wasn't long before they were deeper down in the canyon. Winter had climbed many mountains in his time, but this was the first time he'd been taken deeper and deeper into the earth. The panorama became more magnificent with each downward step. Strata in many shades of reds, browns and oranges surrounded winter. Some sections were in the shade, but other areas were highlighted by the sun's bright rays, making their colours appear more spectacular and almost ethereal. Mahogany reds were layered beneath pumpkin-hued oranges. Pale yellow sandstone lines of copper-tinged rocks, patches of light and dark green vegetation embellished the canyon-like swathes of fabric. Winter smiled when he heard his guide say it was like looking at the beautifully illustrated pages of a geology book. As they journeyed ever downwards, Willoughby explained how the Grand Canyon had been formed around five to six million years ago when the Colorado River first began to cut its way through the layers of rock. The canyon was now a mile deep and over 270 miles long. The exposed sections were nearly two billion years old He added proudly that around 40% of the Earth's history had been revealed through the strata in the canyon, making this the perfect destination for any eager geologist. The sound of the Colorado River came to winter seconds before he saw it. As Dusty maneuvered the next bend, The spectacular sight of the jade-green waters came into view. Winter took a moment to appreciate the meandering river as it leisurely made its way over the canyon floor, looking like a green ribbon woven into the landscape by Mother Nature. As they carried along the trail, the occasional hiker stepped to one side to let the horses through. Smiles were exchanged and Winter tipped his hat in acknowledgement more than once. They arrived at a narrow, metal-framed bridge 
which spanned the river. The tempo of the horse's hooves changed pitch as they carefully made their way over the wooden floor of the bridge. Winter looked in admiration at the sight of the flowing river beneath them and the magnificent background of the multi-hued layers of rock. Once across the river, they made their winding way along the trail until they reached the very bottom of the canyon. The two men dismounted and Willoughby saw to the feeding and watering of the horses. A couple of rafts drifted slowly along the river. Winter raised his hand in greeting at the people who were sailing on them. A lizard sunned itself on a nearby rock, and a squirrel scampered away with something delicious in its little paws. Peace and tranquility surrounded Winter, and he took a deep, relaxing inhale. Willoughby came to his side and told Winter about some fallen branches he'd spotted on the path ahead and how they needed to be cleared before their journey continued. Winter offered to help and soon they were moving pine branches and gorse bushes from the pathway. Clearing the debris nearer to the rock face, Winter noticed something intriguing. He called Willoughby's attention to it. Silently, the men regarded the opening in front of them. Winter broke the silence. Is it the entrance to a cave? Willoughby removed his hat and scratched his head. It certainly looks that way. I've never seen this opening before. It must have been hidden by those trees which were brought down in the storm. A short discussion followed as to what they should do next. They decided to make an exploration of whatever lay beyond the cave's entrance. With torches at the ready, Winter and his companion ducked their heads and walked through the cave's entrance. Once inside, they found themselves at the beginning of a long passageway, the ceiling of which became progressively higher, allowing the men to straighten up after a few steps. Neither one of them spoke as they walked along, their torch beams lighting up the smooth surface of the walls on either side of them. Before too long, they reached a set of spiralling stone steps which led upwards. A look of agreement passed between them and they proceeded to carefully ascend the steps. 
Winter became aware of a thin layer of dust on the stones. He also noticed the occasional recess set into the curved wall. Looking closer into one of them, he saw a white substance which looked like wax, possibly from a candle. Ten minutes of silent climbing ensued before they reached the top. They found themselves at the end of another passageway, albeit one which was wider this time. Before Winter could explore further, Willoughby pointed to the wall behind them, where a further cave opening could be seen. The outside of it was obscured with hanging greenery. Willoughby voiced the thoughts which were also running through Winter's mind. We may have stumbled onto the hidden cave. This could be the entrance which, according to that newspaper report, was high above the valley floor. The guide shook his head, as if unable to believe his own words. They agreed to explore a little farther before making their return journey and subsequently alerting some of their discovery. The men began to take photos of their findings. With a wry smile, Willoughby said the photos would confirm they hadn't dreamt the whole thing. Sweeping their torches slowly from side to side, they proceeded along the passageway and presently reached one of many side passages. Winter pointed at the strange markings on the walls. They reminded him of the hieroglyphics he'd seen inside the pyramids of Egypt. Walking along the side passageway, he felt a fresh breeze on his face and surmised there must be a ventilation system within these mysterious tunnels. The side passage led to a series of rock-hewn rooms, some no bigger than the average-sized living room. Others were much larger. Many of the rooms had curved ceilings, which indicated they could have been cut by an experienced hand. Winter and Willoughby spent the next thirty minutes exploring the other side passages and came upon similar rooms. Everywhere they went, they saw the strange symbols carved onto the walls. Their wandering steps led them to a large hall, which Winter estimated to be around several hundred feet long. A statue was visible at the far end. Upon further investigation, they discovered it was a stone figure, sitting cross-legged and holding a flower in each hand. 
they assumed it to be a deity, although neither one of them recognized it. Smaller statues surrounded the deity. Many had been carved into beautiful figures, whilst others were of a more unusual nature. Winter wondered if they were supposed to represent the opposing faces of good and evil. Around the room were many tools which looked like they had been made from copper. It was hard to be sure because they were partially covered in dust. Despite the temptation, Winter and Willoughby studiously avoided touching any of the relics. At one side of the vast hall, they found a selection of urns, vases, and cups. Some of them depicted scenes of people from long, long ago. A memory came to Winter about his visit to Pompeii in Italy years ago, and how he'd seen murals on some existing walls there which showed how inhabitants of the town had lived. The images he was now looking at brought on the same mixed feelings of sadness and curiosity. The puzzling hieroglyphics were abundant on many surfaces. Willoughby peered closer at the inscriptions, as if doing so would somehow allow him to make sense of them. Leaving the enormous hall behind them, they ventured into other rooms. Finding evidence of cooking utensils in one area, they assumed they were in a dining room. Looking around the sizable space, Winter said, The report claims the hidden tunnels and caves were big enough to accommodate 50,000 people. If we are in those tunnels, I can see how that would be possible. He gazed in wonderment at their surroundings. Where did those people come from? And where did they go? With a knowing look in his eyes, Willoughby replied, That's where the mystery lies. We should leave now. I'll need to inform the authorities about our discovery. They lingered a little while before turning around and retracing their steps all the way back to where they'd first entered the hidden tunnels. Once back out in the open air, Willoughby made a phone call. Once the phone call had been made, they continued on their trek. Their talk for the next few hours was about their discovery and what it would mean to historians across the globe. They decided to keep their discovery quiet until the authorities made their investigation. 
while later, Willoughby told Winter about a village a few miles away called the Havasupai Indian Reservation. So remote was its location that cars couldn't reach it, and the post was delivered by pack mule. Winter made a mental note to visit the remote dwelling area one day. Willoughby's talk turned to the many groups of geologists who regularly studied the Grand Canyon and how they'd been disappointed at the lack of dinosaur bones here. He explained the area was made from rocks which had been formed about a billion years ago, which was before the dinosaurs came along, and the erosion process by the Colorado River was probably made after the dinosaurs had become extinct. A fascinating part of the canyon's history, in Willoughby's opinion, was the geological phenomenon known as the Great Unconformity. Layers of rocks from vastly different time periods are unaccountably arranged right on top of each other. The material from the other geological eras, which should have been between the layers, were missing. Holding his hands out in a bewildered manner, Willoughby said there was a chunk of time in the canyon's history where something happened, but no evidence has been left behind to tell humanity what that event was. Winter regarded the surrounding strata with new eyes. What did happen here during those missing years? Did it have anything to do with the lost civilization in the hidden tunnels? Had some natural phenomenon occurred here? Looking skywards, he wondered if there was even something otherworldly about the mysteries surrounding those lost years. He shared his thoughts with Willoughby, and they continued chatting as they headed towards their home for the night. Winter spotted many varieties of vegetation on the way. Gooseberry and snowberry bushes, a dozen or so pinion pines, and a couple of Douglas firs, which scented the air with their refreshing fragrance. Some plants along the trail were unfamiliar to Winter, and when he inquired what they were, Willoughby identified them as Grand Canyon rock daisies and Arizona thistles. The sun cast ever-lengthening shadows over the canyon as it made its way across the sky and towards the horizon. The air turned a little cooler, but not unpleasantly so. Sometime later, Winter and his companion arrived at the collection of cosy cabins where they would sleep that night. The rustic buildings were a welcome sight for the tired duo. Willoughby was greeted 
like a long-lost friend by the owner of the cabins. Winter was introduced before being shown to his lodgings. He extended warm welcomes to other travellers whom he passed on the way to his cabin. After winter and his fellow explorers had eaten their meal together, they decided to sit outside. They settled around a campfire and took a few minutes to admire the captivating celestial scene above them. Willoughby joined them soon after. The conversation soon turned to past travels, and Winter listened with interest to the many fascinating adventures people had been on. When it was his turn to talk, Winter spoke about the time he'd travelled to Grafino in Poland to see the crooked forest. He'd walked through the early morning mists to be met by the enchanting sight of the strangely twisting pine trees. Feeling like he'd stepped into the pages of a fairy tale book, he'd explored further until he was right in the middle of the beguiling grove of trees. The peculiar curve of their lower trunks was a sight he'd never seen before. No one knew for certain why the trees grew in such a peculiar manner. Some say it was the result of an enchanting spell cast by a mythical creature. He then told his companions of his trip to the deserts of Southern California, where he saw the mysterious sailing stones. From the smallest pebble to the largest boulder, the stones glided unseen throughout the night across the sandy desert bed. Some moved for a few inches, and others moved for more than one hundred feet. Every rock left a distinctive trail behind, each one as unique as a fingerprint. Winter thought that they looked like nocturnal guests, elegantly making their way towards a celebration on the horizon, with only the moon and stars to light their nighttime journey. When tales of travels ended, the owner of the lodge produced a guitar and asked if anyone wanted to entertain them with a song or two. Winter waited to see if anyone would raise their hands, but when no one did, he modestly put his hand up. Willoughby named a song which Winter was unfamiliar with. But as his friend began to sing, Winter soon picked up the tune and strummed it on the guitar. Beneath the starry sky and the canyon cloaked in darkness, Willoughby continued singing. His voice was deep and soothing, 
and Winter noticed eyes around him becoming tired. One by one, the other travellers stood up and bade each other farewell before heading to their beds. Before Willoughby left, he placed a friendly hand on Winter's shoulder and with a smile said, What a day we've had. He nodded a goodbye before leaving Winter alone. Winter rested the guitar in his lap. His thoughts turned to the hidden tunnels. As he gazed into the darkness ahead, something told him the canyon was holding on to even more mysteries. No secrets would only be revealed to future explorers of this magical place.